Dmitry Samarov, and you're listening to Who You Know, but you already knew that, right? Today I bring you a conversation with the writer Tobias Carroll. Uh, Carroll runs uh, the long-running literary uh, magazine, Volume 1 Brooklyn, uh, and has published four books to this point. Uh, We mostly talk about his new novel uh, out from um, Astrophil Press called X Members, which concerns the ex-members of a local uh, legendary New Jersey uh, punk band and the fallout of the end of that band. Um, we'll also talk about uh, Toby's long uh, involvement with writing and the music scene uh, and new, a lot about uh, New Jersey, which he's a proud uh, native of. Hope you enjoy this talk as much as I did. That sounds like a recording. <laughs> hey, awesome. Look at that. Awesome. This, this might actually work this time. <laughs> Round three. Amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I don't know about you. I've, I've, I've always battled with the technology anyways, but uh, it's never, it, no step uh, in the in the old internet age has ever come uh easily to me <laughs> like there's always uh there's always a lot of banging my head against the wall like you know i've been maintaining my own website for let's see 18 years now yeah like my ex-wife started it and she was a coder you know she was a database programmer and yeah I, she had introduced me to computers a half year before and then she left and all i had was my website and i just kept wrecking it and wrecking it until i figured it out you know, like assistant. Oh man, yeah. And only I can run that website, and it'll never change, and it'll never be optimized for mobile or anything. You know, <laughs> because it can't. It just fucking can't be. It's simple. Yeah. It's simple HTML. That's all I know how to do. Yeah. And I will never. I don't like. I'm not a tech guy, and I don't have that curiosity, or I'm not a tinkerer. You know. Yeah. There are people that are tinkerers. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, it, I've sort of dragged my ass kicking and screaming into this into the digital age and it, it's not there's not one smooth transition ever i don't know yeah so i appreciate you uh having patience yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely so yeah here uh, i'm gonna attempt attempt to be a semi-professional and introduce my guest uh <laughs> T- tobias carroll uh do, do you go by Tobias to people? Like, I always knew you as Toby, but, like, yeah. you're always professionally Tobias. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, I, I like the slightly fancier, uh, longer version of my name when I write. Uh, <laughs> but, although it's also it's also weird because at this point, you know, a decade plus into having stuff published, it's also, like, there are just people I know who I am, I am Tobias. Right. To, yeah. And... And that's cool, but it's still a little bit like there's still a little bit of uh, how, how best to put this. Like T- Tobias Carroll was for for the longest time primarily what my mother would call me when she was angry with me. Sure, yeah, yeah. When when yeah, when your parents use your full name, that means you're fucked. Yeah, uh, of course. No, I, I've actually I've mentioned you to people here, and I say Toby, and they don't know who you who the 
who I'm talking about. Because I know you as Toby, because I met yeah. you in person, yeah. you know, eight years ago, and you were introduced as Toby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a funny thing. But yeah, we're, so either Toby or Tobias Carroll, depending on uh, if you're in the in crowd or the out crowd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and because uh, we're talking because uh, he has a new novel coming out from Astrophil Press in June called X Members. So yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me how this thing got started, how long ago, what was the, uh, what was the kickoff point? So I had always wanted to write about uh, local punk and hardcore scenes uh, mm -hmm. in fiction. And there had been a little bit of that here and there in some of my short fiction. And there was, uh, I have two, two books that are likely to never see the light of day that, that were written before uh, either my, my first novel and first collection came out. Your first and one collection of them, was uh, transitory in like, tra yep. 2016, something like yep. that? Yep, and okay. yeah, Real was a couple of months later the same year. Oh, right, um, you, right. You had one of those weird things where you published two books at once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there was, um, I'm trying to think of how best to phrase this. The, there, was a, there was a short, there was a novella in what was basically the first full-length book I ever finished, that was also definitely drew on my experiences of kind of, you know, growing up in, in a punk scene and, you mm -hmm. know, kind of going to, going to shows in weird venues and, and, and all that. And, uh, so, so that had always kind of been in the back of my, in the back of my head and, and wanting to write about something like that, but also wanting to write about people in the context of like, being a part of this scene, but not necessarily um, everything, but like not just that as as their lives, but kind of how that how that would affect their lives uh, going forward. And uh, you know, when you know a number of bands have have broken up, and, and you know there isn't you know in the the spaces that that hosted them no longer exist, and everything else. So that had, that had always been in the back of my brain. And when I finished writing, when I finished writing real, um, I also knew that I wanted to write something that was a little bit different as far as how it dealt with time. Uh, real is by and large, you know, set over the course of a couple of months in the lives of its main characters. And yeah, it's, a, it's very concentrated on two people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like there, there are a couple of moments where they're both reflecting on their lives, but really it's like, you know, it begins, the, the bulk of it is really like, you know, over, over the course of like less, less than a year in terms of, in terms of their lives. Yeah. And, uh, and I knew, and I was happy with that and I, you know, enjoyed doing that, but I also was reminded, like there are some short stories in, in transitory where I was looking, you know, there's, uh, where I was dealing with you know, what happens, you know, fo following a character over a period of, of years rather than a period of months. And I really liked that. And I really liked that there's something I like about doing that too, where, you know, you can leave a character, you know, a character is 18 and then the next time you pick them up, they're, they're 24 and you kind of have to, you know, 
imply, okay, what, well, what's happened to them in the last couple of years without necessarily just following them through each of those, each of those things. So, so I wanted to do something that dealt with, uh, that dealt with that aspect of storytelling. And there was also something there were, I mean, I grew up in suburban New Jersey mm -hmm. and I, one of the things that I find a little fascinating about the suburbs is the way that like the suburbs could kind of be this sort of massive leveler in some ways of like people of disparate backgrounds and you know and everything else just sort of all finding themselves in the uh in the same in the same region and, and everything else and that was also something that was in the back of in the back of my brain as i as i wrote this like wanting to sort of give that sense of a, a weird a weird and somewhat flawed community uh and then there were a few aspects of it that also just came to light uh as i was thinking about different parts of the area the part of new jersey that is close to where i grew up uh which manifested itself in in a couple of very specific buildings uh that that i kind of transposed from real towns in new jersey to the fictional town that is uh, that is at the center of uh of ex-members yeah i mean yeah I, th I would say aside from you know the main focus of this book or what it kind of revolves around is this kind of like local legend mythical punk band that lasted a few years and uh all the characters are either as the title says ex-members or kind of other satellite uh kind of uh people in the scene best friends uh yeah uh they're they're all sort of tangential characters, uh, and but the the other main theme is, is uh, sort of like this kind of like civic planning and these projects that aren't quite finished, uh, especially the tower in the middle of the, the yeah. town the town of New Duchess where uh, the characters kind of uh, grow up. Um, yeah. And, and, <clears throat> and uh, yeah. And then you, yeah, um, you, you have, uh, as you were saying, like these gaps in time, uh, you have, it kind of yo-yos back between uh, the 80s, the 90s, sometimes uh, the 70s for a bit, and up to fairly recent history, right? Yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, the, uh, the building, I, I grew up near, near Asbury Park, New Jersey, mm -hmm. and while Asbury Park, I think I, I, I feel pretty comfortable saying it's it's somewhat thriving now there was a not that long ago a a new york times article real estate article that was talking about how you know people you know i this is this is going to sound terrible but whatever finance bros from you know are from new york are like being like oh maybe i should spend a million dollars on a condo with a with a nice view of the ocean here yeah. um but when I was when I was growing up there, Asbury Park, and when it, you know, it's like when my mom uh, was was young, you know, Asbury Park was like the big, you know, people from across New Jersey would go down and go uh, and would go to to vacation there, and then it's sort of the the town had sort of fallen on hard times when when I was there. I mean, this, you know, there were a few venues like when I was when I was in high school, I, I went to a couple of shows at the Stone Pony. Mm -hmm. um, which and, which uh, yeah Bruce Springsteen made famous and yeah Southside Johnny and the Jukes right yeah <laughs> all that all those kinds of bands 
I, I went to go see uh, I went to go see Dense Atomic Dustbin with Orange Nine Millimeter opening my my senior year of high school, mm. uh, and uh, <laughs> that was that was that was that was a fun so, time. To uh, educate us uh, non tri state or non East Coast <laughs> residents, is is um, Asbury Park part of the same area as like you know the Jersey Shore, like like from the yeah very from much the, so from the reality show. Like is that is it kind of the same ballpark or? I know it's older, like as Asbury yeah. Park is a kind of like a resort, kind of like a Coney Island type environment, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> well, it's not quite as not Coney Island. Like there's, okay. like I think if you go a little further south, you get a little bit more like, I mean, there there is a boardwalk area at, uh -huh. in, in, in Asbury, and then there are even sort of more pronounced like boardwalks if you go a little bit further south. Um, but you also get to like, you know, there's the town, the town of Belmar, uh, which is, there is, there is a bar there called Bar Anticipation or Bar A. Uh -huh. Um, and like when you go, well, this, this may have changed, um, <clears throat> many, many years ago, uh, my, a group I'm, really, of, I'm really wigged out by the bar anticipation. That's just creepy. I don't know. Well, oh, oh, so, so this is, this is going to get, this is going to get much weirder. Uh, so, so there was. So, so a group of group of people, this was, this would have been like in the mid to late aughts, uh -huh. a group of people who I'd gone to high school with decided we were going to sort of have like an informal reunion, which was like 12 of us got together mm -hmm. and, you know, it, it was, it was, it was nice. Uh, we, we went to, but at some point someone decided this was going to be at bar, at bar anticipation, uh -huh. but we were going to meet up there during the day. Uh, yeah. where, you know, we could just like sit outdoors, you know, and we were sort of told by the bar, like, all right, yeah, you can, you can be here during the day, but at like six or seven o'clock, like we need, you know, this, you know, there, there, there are no reservations, you know, you, you gotta kind of find somewhere else to go mm. because, you know, the, the, the dance crowd is gonna, is gonna be there. And so, so, you know, we, we actually had, we had, you know, got to catch up with some old friends and that was really nice. And then at like... At some point, a few of us ended up sticking around because one of my friends had told his then girlfriend to meet us, uh, to meet us there, and she was driving down from somewhere in North Jersey, and so we we basically couldn't leave. Um, oh boy! And so, and we sort of watched this, you know perfectly idyllic like outdoor you know bar just take become much more bacchanalian uh in terms of like or like you know because we've just been sitting there talking and we're like oh this is this fun i'm catching up with this guy i haven't seen in a couple of years this is great and and all of a sudden we're like you know you look over and there is just this like sprawling line of people uh you know waiting to use like a, a porta john and like right, yeah. there's like a little a little monitor that has like a very you know fuzzy gray black and white image of like there's a big tent where people are dancing and there's like <laughs> two women dancing on the stage and then like two just <laughs> men who resemble mountains just yeah. both standing there like sort of daring anyone to try something and like and it's just like, what, what the fuck happened here? This is insane. And like, we have, we eventually went to another bar, but also in Belmar, even though 
We could have, there, there are perfectly pleasant bars that would have been a 20 minute drive. We ended up going to another bar where like, I think the thing that I remember most clearly is, you know, there was dance music playing and then the DJ played the violent femmes added up and like people began singing along to, to that and then followed that with with Sweet Caroline, and everyone started singing along to that. Mm. It's like this is so weird. I, but not in a good way. This is this just really surreal. Well, yeah, um, the, the the blessing and curse of music is that can it can be adopted and loved by anyone for any wrong reason. Like you know, down to you know like Reagan using "Born in the USA" as a campaign theme song. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and totally Definitely. misunderstanding whatever. Springsteen thought that song was about, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, you yeah. can't you can't miss the strident anth- anthemic quality of it. So it's sort of understandable why it was misused that way. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 basically, so so as I mean, so Asbury Park, you know, was a little bit more of a resort town and always had this like pretty solid live music uh, thing, mm-hmm. and also has Convention Hall, which is which is actually. Is this is actually the thing that like I'd spent a lot of I'd spent a good chunk of the pandemic uh, at my folks' place in in in, North, in Central Jersey, oh. <clears throat> so I've been following this a little bit more. But Convention Hall is like in a weirdly in a weird state of limbo where it's it's a historic building mm-hmm. that was used for you know various events. Like when I was a when I was a when I was much younger, I used to go to baseball card shows there, mm. um, and it would have you know just things like. And then you know it what, was it was a big event space. What vintage is the building itself? Uh, when is it? When was I think it's from? early early twentieth century. Okay. Um, but it was also home to, uh, you know, th- there would also be a fair amount of uh, a fair amount like it 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 was also a somewhat large music venue. Like a friend of mine. Okay, so it started the, as some kind of theater, probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was just, it's just like a big open space, basically. Uh-huh. Oh, I see. So you can kind of do, you know, more of, I, I guess, like, kind of almost like a ballroom space where it's like, yeah. you can okay. yeah. put a bunch of tables there and do that. Or you can have, like, like a couple of years ago, or, well, more than that, I think this was like early aughts or late 90s, a friend of mine went because, like, to, to go back to Bruce Springsteen before Springsteen kicked off one of his like bigger tours. Mm-hmm. He did, I think two shows at convention hall as kind of his like warm up, you know, yeah. getting the band and like, you know, which I'm still kicking myself for not having gone to because it's like, I, I like Bruce Springsteen and I would love to see him in a space. That's like a couple of thousand people as opposed to like an arena. I mean, can, um, you, can you even, are you allowed to call yourself a New Jersey native if you, if you say <laughs> a cross, cross word against the man, or is that allowed? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, in a couple, and in the, I think it was 2011, the All Tomorrow's Parties Festival did one year in Asbury Park, and mm. so they had, like, the, there's also the Paramount Theater, which is part of the same complex. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the quieter bands would play that. Like, I saw, like, Jeff Mangum did a set in, like, an acoustic set there. But then, and that was more seated. Yeah. But then the bigger space was, like, where, you know, like, uh, Portishead was, was, was the headliner. So, mm-hmm. like, 
you know, Portishead, uh, and I think, and I believe Public Enemy were, were all, were more in the, uh, in the, in the larger, in the larger space. Um, but the, the building is now dealing with, with weird code issues where like, there are parts of it that I think it, there are massive renovations that need to happen for it to, sure. you know, and it seems a little bit ambiguous as to whether or not it's going to get those. And like, I, I would be super bummed, like, cause that is a, that is a big, that is like a, it's, it's a really neat space, but it's also something that like, sort of, I, I would hate to see it, you know, demolished and, you know, whatever else and just sort of cease to exist. And, you know, I also think, I mean, although on the other hand, on the brutally pragmatic side, it's also very close to the water. And I, and I would imagine that like, especially with climate change and everything else, like, it's yeah. going to be harder and harder to sort of, yeah. I mean, you don't know, you maintain know, that. No, no, none of us can fight the water. You know, we come from the water, but the water will always also take us back and you know throw, yeah. throw us away. <laughs> it's where we start and where we'll end. <laughs> All of us, it's, the human human race. You know, it's been it's been super weird in in New York. I don't know if you followed this at all, but like I used to, I was involved with a with a nonprofit that did. A concert series at the East River Amphitheater in, in in the Lower East Side, and that has recently that that space was was just demolished because the city is in the midst of basically raising the park to the ground and elevating it like six feet so that mm. and then rebuilding some you know alternate version of the same park, yeah. uh, and it's been super. I mean, it's been. It has very much been a bummer to see that, but it's like, I also, I understand why it's being done, but there's also been a very, there's also been like a, a pretty pronounced, uh, like local effort that that's been pushing back against it. Like, a, yeah. I believe that the, uh, Eileen Miles has written a lot of stuff sort of oh, really? opposing what the city has been doing, which was, which was also a weird, like, uh, world's colliding weird. yeah there, there's uh there's a lot of that in in chicago where they're like beloved venues beloved this that and the other that are you know slowly disappearing because times are changing and the the neighborhoods change and the uh the people that live in certain neighborhoods have different demands they want you know they yeah wanna, they want their yuppie suburban style living and no matter how how many like aging punk rockers or hippies like have attachments to crummy little bars and venues. Uh, uh, those things uh, they have a they have a lifespan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sadly, uh, I sort of I, I bum a lot of people out when I when I get on this topic. But uh, I'm I'm attached to a bunch of places here that I know will not be around in ten or twenty years. You know, even, yeah. maybe even sooner. And I always just tell people we should savor them while they last, but. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, it was it was it was really interesting to me when I mean I feel like when when CBGBs closed, mm. there was this huge outpouring of like, you know, support. Yeah. And you know, and people being you know, and and bands playing shows there, but for all and like I am, I saw some fantastic shows there. Yeah. Like I, you know would not trade that that experience for the world but there were also like i can also remember seeing 
like CBGBs would also have these like incredibly unwieldy eight band bills where like I remember going to see the band Discordance Axis play there mm-hmm. and you know and there were a couple of bands I really liked playing early and then there were like four or five bands that I was just like I do not I am not enjoying this at all yeah but I'm going to I'm going to sit through this to wait for the band that yeah. I want to you know and like by the time Discordance Axis played I, I was like half asleep sitting on a chair in like the back of the venue just like sitting there like literally trying not to fall asleep but just being like this is amazing i have no more energy in my body like yeah and uh there are places and actually like these like old school venues uh i was really hoping with the reopening after pandemic they would push up uh music time like concert times because it's just ridiculous yeah you got these multi-band bills that start at like 10 or something like, are yeah. you fucking kidding me? Uh, <laughs> like, I think I think that, like, these shows should start at 7 and then just keep the bar open afterwards. Yeah. I'm happy to drink, but, like, I don't go to shows to drink, you know? Yeah. I go, I go to shows to listen to music, and, you know, more times than not, obviously, the band I'm going to see is playing last. And, yeah. And uh, that sucks to, you know, uh, I don't want uh, being the old guy at the show or whatever, but I'm... I don't want to stand for three fucking hours to, to see 45 minutes, you know? Like, yeah. It's shitty. Uh, and and I think there's a better way to do it. Uh, yeah. And, but yeah, places like CBGB's, they're of a time, uh, and they're not of this time. <laughs> yeah. For better or worse. Uh, and that's where you get into sort of nostalgia and looking back, which is definitely a major theme in your book. Uh, yeah. These people, I mean, I... That, yeah, whose whole kind of like, personality or their, the high point of their lives revolves around when they were young and uh, kind of seeing this band, thinking about the band, like feeling like they own the band, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, it's funny. It's funny too, because I think there's a, there's sort of a complexity of some of it. Like I, I have very conflicted feelings about, about band reunions, mm-hmm. um, I, I have pretty but, simple ones, but <laughs> I, you know it's. But I also think you know I have a you know I have a, a friend of mine who played, who played in a band you know recently. Well, actually, not even recently. Like, you know, we were talking about it once, and he was just like, "Well, he's like, I also just he's like, you know, he and he the band that he had been in in, in his early twenties, like, he and his bandmates had started." just getting together and, and playing together, like without necessarily, initially without the, without the, um, the interest of, of playing a show, but just like getting together. And he's just like, he's like, honestly, he's like, I just like, it's just really, it's fun to play music with those guys again. Like we're all, we're all having a good time. And he's like, he's like, you know, and I think, you know, that is also something where like, you know, that is, you know, if it's if it's making you if it's making you feel good like you know what's you know and it's like and i was kind of like okay you know that's that's that seems that seems fair i mean i've also feel like i've seen some cases of of band reunions where like you know i really enjoyed the music of the pixies when they were around the first time but the like pixies are the acme example of how not to do this yeah yeah 
but I but I also feel like you know like a band like Mishnah Burma is yeah. that like recorded as many records after they they reunited as as they did before yeah, I th- like yeah. is kind of the other yeah I agree. the other I mean, side of that yeah, to me definitely and yeah I'm not I'm very very biased because I'm like <laughs> Mission of Burma is a formative very very important band to me and like like I kind of know those guys and yeah uh, but what they're sort of the exception that proves the rule because yeah. they really I mean they were together for the first time only a few years and they felt they had to stop because Roger Miller got tinnitus really bad and he couldn't perform. You know? Yeah. Like, and so they had unfinished business and some of the music they recorded afterwards, I, yeah, I, I won't say it's as good as the early stuff, but it's, it, they didn't embarrass themselves, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I also, one of the, one of, one of in retrospect, probably the last shows I saw before the pandemic was the, I, I really enjoyed the fact that when the surviving members of This Heat got back together, they were touring as "This Is Not This Heat." Um, I, have a, I saw that. I saw that tour. That was that was an amazing show. But that was like, yeah. I mean, they obviously really, really rehearsed, and it was like almost like a chamber music performance. Yeah, you know that it was a like a museum quality distillation of like everything they had done. You know. Yeah. And it also, it seemed like, I mean, when I was looking at the other musicians who they were bringing, and I was like, okay, you're also bringing in really, really, like, you're bringing in, int- like, interesting people. And I think some of it was also that, like, hey, we're we're not beholden to, this is going to be how this sounded on the record. We have to play it exactly like this. We're going to, and we are we are not the, the same, we are literally not this heat. Yeah. And it's, I think it gave them, yeah, it gave them that freedom where I was just like, this is really cool. And there were times where I was like, I don't know if I know what song they're playing right now, but yeah. this is still, this is still really, really interesting. And like, I am, I am, you know, feel, feel like I made a very good decision in, in going, in going oh, to see this. Yeah. I didn't regret that one at all. And in Chicago, at least the audience was like, everybody in that audience, probably except me was in a band. Like <laughs> it was like, it was like the equivalent of like, you know, if we could go see the velvet underground or something, you know, like, yeah. Uh, like every, like, cool band you could think of like there's members in that audience kind of like slack jawed you know like at that show <laughs> uh yeah but uh, you know when they acknowledge up front you know within the title that this is not this heat that's how you do that yeah you don't uh you know put on skinny jeans when you're 60 like the ones you wore when you're 20 and try to jump around uh that's embarrassing and sad you know yeah. i've seen i've seen my share of those uh <laughs> And, uh, you know, part of that is the function of the Internet, where time stands still and everything exists on the same plane. And uh, I understand yeah. that y- younger people want to experience, like the Pixies also, to bring back all the younger people that I know that went to see the Pixies this time around. And, you know, the Pixies reunion, they played to, men, you know, thousands of people, like, the way they didn't get to the first time. And, yeah. Uh, I understand that desire, but I also do not believe in actual time travel and yeah and you know nothing that the pixies put out like in their new iteration that i've heard is is worth listening to a second time i don't know yeah uh and the unfortunate thing is it keeps the members of that band from making new music yeah uh yeah as a going commercial concern you know yeah yeah but I can't, like, on the other hand, like, it's shitty to talk this way because it's shitty to get, like, to, to judge 
uh, indie musicians who struggle from like wanting to to make a fucking living. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I remember, I remember when when Jawbreaker first started doing reunion shows, uh, Blake Schwarzenbach was seemed, was was pretty clear where he was just like, well, this is like. I can I can do a lot better, you know, if if I get back together with 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 my bandmates and we go on the road, than like you know working as a dog walker in New York. Yes. And it's like you know, yeah, I that that honestly sounds that's a that's a pretty good reason to you know, yeah, you know to to do that. Like I'm not I'm not gonna fault you for you know, and I think I think also especially like the the older I get, the more I'm just like the the more the the more fucked the sort of economic system for nearly everyone you know especially especially creative people seems like it's like the more i'm just like yeah no go 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 do the thing no, like yeah. i mean that's why it's so complicated like yeah i have uh mostly negative feelings about reunion bands uh a friend of mine like uh memorably called calls them zombie bands because that's <laughs> what they are uh because there will be like nothing new accomplished that will have any life to it you can't uh, aside from some kind of like uh, ventriloquism, you know, yeah, uh, because you know you you're not the same the person you were at twenty that you're at sixty, you know, yeah. But uh, the the money the money side of it, I mean, like you see every legacy uh, performer cashing out now, you know, like Bob Dylan sells his discography because yeah. this is the last chance they'll have to make any money off of it because the technology has become so sophisticated that you have machines that can reproduce a Bob Dylan song and credibly claim in court that it's not a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Well, that's why all these people are cashing out now. And that's, yeah. that's the people at the top. Like, so where do you get your, you know, in the case of your book, the alpha numeric murders, you know, the fictional yeah. version, like, of course they're going to do a reunion because how many people are going to see the lead singer doing his weird experimental choral music, yeah. you know, like yeah. not that many. Yeah. 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 It's, although it, it it's, it's still, a weird, it's a very weird quandary. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Though it, though it, weird, it is, I will say, um, it, it weirded me out. And this is something that happened after, you know, after the book had been, you know, finished and everything. But like when I was looking at the, the short list for what, Actually, to jump back, there's yeah. to to go back into the, the the book for a second. One of one of the things that I had, you know, th the idea of of D, of the character of Dean going from you know fronting a hardcore band to sort of having this like long second life as a as a as a you know more you know right as as a composer. Um, part of it was inspired the, the by seeing uh the the Yancey and alex uh the, the singer of cigarettes mm. and his partner's uh sort of album of like ambient music mm. watching a, watching a concert of that in in new york uh, was one of the inspirations for the the first part of the book and also you know ha kind of had me thinking the the wordless music series which which i think is primarily new york and la um you know which sort of has these interesting places where you know, you have the sort of overlap of, uh, of sort of raw, of sort of underground rock and, and classical. And I mean, there have been, you know, Brian Eno and Harold Budd and the Rachels have all kind of existed in that space for, for a while. But I think there has been that, you know, 
that that increased version of it. But it's funny because when I was writing this, I the idea of and I think I was also a little inspired by the uh, the guy from uh, Give Up the Ghost slash American Nightmare, who's got who who had gone on to do Cold Cave, which was kind of completely different and mm. you know sort of. But for but, yeah, for more mainstream uh, listeners, you can take you know David Byrne and the Talking Heads. Yeah, David Byrne has done all this other kinds of world music and theater music and yeah. Uh, performance and he won't you know he famously won't do reunions even though they keep begging him yeah do talking heads reunions and i for one hope to god he never gives in uh yeah because i love the talking heads i don't care about what david byrne does now i don't care about his music personally but i love the talking heads and i hope they never get back together yeah It, the, uh, the the funny thing though the, the the one thing that I found super super interesting was like there was there was a point where I think I had not realized that like I think in some of the Oscar categories there's kind of the the the, sh- the long list that sort of precedes the the full nominees it was kind of uh, like all right yeah. but I was I was the that uh, Robert Lowe from you know who who I initially had encountered through through 90 day men. You yeah. know, went on to do went on to do the music for for Candyman. for the the new Candyman, which yeah. was like it's so I good. think <laughs> did not get an Oscar nomination, but like was really yeah. And I was like, this is really fucking good. And you I was know, like, and was, I was really so I, I knew Rob when he lived here, and yeah, he uh, he was at one point apparently in the running to do the the score for the Blade Runner sequel. Like oh it, man, apparently it was, it was close, but he got vetoed because by the studio because he was just too like. He was an unknown quantity, but so I, yeah. I. But I think Candyman gets him into that world, and he deserves to do it because he's a unique, unique talent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I was pleasantly, I was like pleasantly surprised. But I was also like, okay, clearly this thing that I thought was kind of a weird thing is actually not that weird because like <laughs> this is this is not terribly different from from the thing that I'm yeah. And it's like I, I I I ordered that soundtrack on Bandcamp, and I was like, I, yeah. it is, and it's really really good. It um, is, it is really good, and it's a good movie too. Uh, yeah, I like that movie. Uh, yeah, I, I have this. Yeah, I have this horror movie podcast that I do with uh, writer Mallory Smart, and we covered both the Candyman movies. That was one of the fun things. Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I mean, I think I. Th- you know, I'm probably in the minority on this, but I, I think the new one is better. I had, I had actually, ne- I will say, I've never seen the old one, but I did end up watching the the new one, mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't sure. And then there were a couple of points where I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is giving me a little bit of like, this is this is kind of stuff that I would probably respond to a little bit more if I'd seen the other. But like, yeah, it's I good, also it's just, good to see the first one because it. it Definitely picks up the thread uh, just years later. It's the next generation. Yeah. Literally, the main character of the new one is the child that's saved at the end of the first one. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> going far afield. But um, <laughs> I mean, one of the great things I appreciate about your book is how you sort of make this kind of patchwork of structure. Mm-hmm. So, some some parts are sort of pretty traditional kind of third person narrative, but others, you know, uh, there's a whole middle section of this book that's a very extended oral history of uh, 
ex-members of the yeah. the band. Uh, pretty much uh, testimony from everybody but Dean Polis, who's sort of like the the creative force and the lead singer of the band. Uh, how did you arrive at this uh, the the kind of structure these different the different parts of this book? How did you settle uh, on that? A, a lot of trial and error and. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't, I don't know if this is true, um, <laughs> but I also feel like there, there might be some ideal form of this book where it's like the first section is the first section, mm -hmm. the last section is the last section, and literally everything else is just like a chapbook where you, you can just pick, you can just sort oh. of read them in any order and, oh, and do like that. Choose your own adventure. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think you could make that work because they don't. Uh, like chat uh, section to section they don't hand off directly not always um, uh, yeah I mean, but yeah the, it was... everything everything's obviously thematically related and minor characters in one section are major ones in other ones you know yeah yeah and it, a lot of it was trying to figure out like what's the best way to balance this what's the best way to kind of have certain things uh, certain things pay off um, and kind of and kind of balancing the sort of there there are sort of two sections of two sections that are kind of more sort of that are kind of well there are actually three sections that are kind of treated as as sort of found documents um, mm -hmm. yeah and you know and just just sort of figuring out what the best what the best kind of balance is and I have a bunch of a bunch of notebooks where I have like lots and lots of of notes like where it it kind of looks like one of the like the sort of like one of the sort of serial killer we're tracking down the serial killer board where it's like lots of little, little oh, with strings the, with the strings and the yarn or whatever <laughs> yeah you have maps yeah you have a so, map, you have a map of the mythical town of new Dutch. i actually do that was oh, one of the made, one of the first things okay. uh that i that i did it's not like a full map but it was kind of trying to figure out like where some of the stuff was in relation to the to the delaware river and and, and everything else so I was, yeah i was intrigued uh in some of the the sections of the previous generation to the people in the band and stuff, so like their interests were in things like uh, board games and civic planning, mm -hmm. and how that those kinds of they're all sort of like kind of consuming passions for those people in a way, the same way that the band is for the people that are connected to that band. But like, how do you relate those kinds of pursuits to like the the music land or like music life? You know, um, hmm, it's a good question. I, you know, I don't know if I, if I see them as parallel so much as like, in in some ways, a lot of the things are just things that that interest me. Um, yeah. You know, I I have a, I have a weekly. At this point, it's with during the pandemic, it became sort of an online thing, but like sort of a you know regular board game planning playing okay. session with friends online. So it's like. Some of it's just like an in, you know the interest in that and like, mm. but but in terms of the actually in terms of the board games very specifically like some of that came from when I when I was a kid you know my parents have a lot of have a lot of random board you know had a lot of have and had a lot of random board games and I was always fascinated because I think like I think I always associated you know board games with adulthood. Uh, and so, oh, and there were, and there were certain things like, like Yahtzee that, you know, would, you know, that, that I have continued to play, but there was also like, 
there was a game called uh, called Mealborn that was sort of a European auto racing game mm. um, that my parents had that was always like looked that was one of those things that I always because I think it's someone I was like I want to play that and my parents were like you will you are too young to understand the rules of that and I was like yeah. but I and and actually hilariously decades later friends of mine were in a New York band that took their name from that same board game and I was just like this is this is super weird oh, really? um they were in a band they were in a band called Kufere which 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 was a, a term from I was like what is that from and then they were like oh it's from this game Mealboard I was like of course it is I just learned from some article I think in Pitchfork that the name Jack Jaguar came from like a D&D name name generating oh my thing. god <laughs> but that, that's how that guy came and like he just thought it was funny and he didn't know his thing would last so long <laughs> oh you know where it was it was on Bandcamp. Bandcamp yeah daily uh, there was a i saw that the article was there yeah. but i haven't haven't read it yet but yeah that's but one I mean, of like the little factoids there's like oh no like that's where like <laughs> you get stuck with a thing like 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 little bands that blow up and they're stuck yeah. with an embarrassing name that's a thing that happens a lot. <laughs> not not unlike not unlike how uh, how Do- how Donald Glover's childish Gambino came out of like the make your own Wu Tang narrator, and then it's like yeah. where it's fun, where it's like oh I'm gonna do my my fun hip hop project, and it's like oh now I'm now I'm you know a prominent musician, and yeah, it still yeah. has this like fairly wacky name. Uh, yeah, which you know. I think uh, yeah. Well, I was asking about the the sort of the parents or the previous generation. Yeah. It's uh, is it Virgil Carey's dad that makes is the game inventor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and then yeah, Virgil, who's the best friend of the uh, lead singer of the band, mm-hmm. his relationship to the band in a way is the most nebulous. You don't really know what yeah. he is he is to the band. He wasn't ever part of the band. Yeah, he's always kind of hanging around the periphery, and then yeah, later you know you find out that he does some stuff that's not so good. <laughs> yeah. It's. I mean, the it's it's interesting because I think uh, there there are parts of the of Virgil's life that are that are pretty autobiographical, including mm-hmm. the sort of having kind of a nebulous role hanging out with bands, um, mm-hmm. and and I think yeah, but it's also it's actually interesting because now that you mention this, now that you now that now that you're mentioning this, <laughs> this is not something that I was doing consciously, or uh-huh. maybe. Or maybe I'm going to start claiming that I did this consciously. Oh, you um, should, yeah, is, totally. Is uh, is that like it's interesting because yeah, as you mentioned, like Carl is very into these like board games, and then you get to a point where Virgil is kind of attempting to manipulate yeah. people in this very yeah, he, in this very same he makes sense his own and like modern day game. Hello. Oh, you you there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cut, yeah. Cut out for a sec. Uh, yeah. Uh, he uh, launches a more contemporary. I think we mentioned it in. In, yeah, in, in one of the mythical non-recorded early <laughs> attempts at this about cat, like the emergence of catfishing, and yeah, Virgil for people that haven't read it yet, it is a guy that works for a startup and then cashes out at the age of twenty-eight and basically retires. So yeah. he's like a millionaire living in his hometown, not knowing what to do, and he starts getting restless and doing fucked up things on the internet. Don't, we don't need to give away what he does, but yeah. It's not. It's not great. Yeah, <laughs> what he does. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a game playing kind of thing. Maybe that's why I was thinking about it. Uh, yeah. But also in the aspect of having an obsession or like a subculture that's very specific. Yeah. The way that uh, a, a like a local legend punk band is. Uh, like yeah. 
like nobody really knows about these alphanumeric numbers aside from yeah. a, a small subset of people but for them yeah. it's like Jesus you know but like, yeah it's been it's been super interesting to see like one of the things that that's sort of been on my mind lately has been like the I mean one one of the things that can get a little bit can get a little weird when I when I'm talking about music from a particular era yeah. um is is this sort of the sense of, uh, of of an artist who, well, actually, the sense of being so thoroughly immersed in a music scene that like there are artists where, from in my mind, they have this very high up position, this position very high in a sort of certain mm -hmm. pantheon. Yes. But in terms of to someone else, they may not be you know anywhere near as big a deal. And oh, it's like yeah. it was. It's interesting. Like I mean, I think. Some of that has kind of come to the forefront with respect to uh, some of the work that like the, the Numero group folks have been doing yeah. as far as reissuing. Like I, I am really, really happy to see that they're bringing, that they're doing a bunch of stuff with, uh, with Chisel's back catalog and, and bringing some, and, and well, they have karate, they're doing karate now, which is yeah. a great Boston band that not many people knew about probably. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, but it's like they're doing, yeah. they're doing karate and Chisel and I think they're doing some, some Rex music. And it's like all of these bands are bands that like when I when I heard them initially, I was like, holy shit. And I still have that reaction to them. But it's I'm really curious to like see like what is what what are these what are these artists going to mean to someone who does not necessarily have that, you know, who is not there to see them the first yeah. time around. No, and um, I, I, I learned this the very hard way when I was I, I pitched this book that I eventually put out through in in a partnership with tortoise books called music to my eyes and it's full of sketches of bands and i'd pitched that book to many people man, in many places and the when i did get feedback the feedback i got is we've never heard of any of these people yeah and it turned out and i never set out to be a like a sort of like an obscurantist of any kind yeah. i didn't know that the music i liked and continue to like isn't like known by anybody <laughs> yeah but it apparently it, it it was uh i got i got my my face stuck well into it you know like yeah to, to find out that that's absolutely true <laughs> i mean i remember a couple of years this was actually more more than a couple of years ago but uh i probably should not say who the the people or who the but fr <laughs> friends of mine had gotten a like back back during the brief window where if you had a popular tumblr you could someone would be like hey do you want to turn this into a book we'll give you some mm. money and and they and they they man, they got a, a sort of tumbler a tumbler book deal yeah and uh but they also the people who did it are you know are both people who know a lot about music and they had made some very you know fairly specific references and i remember talking to one of them about it where they said they had sort of had to tone down some of make some of the references less obscure because you know they were they were they were sort of like the, their editors were like yeah nobody really yeah nobody to cut nobody is really that familiar with this yeah and if, it's you're like, gonna, if you're gonna market it towards the civilians or the squares you're gonna have to like do the pg or like the you're gonna have to hold their hand a little bit more yeah <laughs> but i think it also i think to some extent that it also lost something but at the same but at the same time i think i think also the people involved did not have like a huge amount of illusions over like they were just like hey this is a fun thing someone's going to give us some money for this. Let's, yeah, I, you know. yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess we're, uh, 
enough time has passed that we can be nostalgic for a blog to be turned into books, huh? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I, yeah. like, you're talking to somebody who that literally happened to, you know? Like, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, with the asterisk that I had a, a fairly well-known famous friend who, who talked up what I did, you know? And that got <laughs> the attention of a university press, and that's how I got my first book was published. Yeah. You know, like, this is, but yeah, it came from a blog and a zine. You know, yeah like, <laughs> yeah uh, it's still like I, man the, the the other thing that still kind of bums me out is the every once in a while i keep thinking about bringing back some kind of blog mm. just because i like for for a random because it's like i kind of i i miss that era yeah and i feel like you know there are and po- i've yeah there are pockets that I, it still exists yeah oh yeah no there there are still a few i mean it's like it's funny i mean i now have a i now you know, have an annual subscription to Feedly because I, because Google had Google Reader, which was great. And then they were like, yeah, we're just, we're not going to, we're not going to do this anymore. And it's like, and it's like, but okay. Um, And I, and I'm still, well, I'm a little, still a little bitter about that, but I'm also just a little, uh, I wish there was a, you know, it, it still feels a little bit like there are some, some parts of the of of the internet that have just become much less pleasant and more foreboding for reasons that like for for absolutely unnecessary reasons. Yeah, and I mean, like yeah, my favorite example that I know of and that I contribute to sometimes is neutral spaces. You know, like neutral spaces to me like is it's simple and it's there because a guy in England uh, who's super like anti-capitalist has, has a lot of very, uh, I don't know, uh, idealistic uh, ideas about art made this thing, and you know it functions as a, a, a sort of CV for pe- like a bunch of writers, but also has a blog function where people just post stuff like with no links to anything and no expectation of money making. There's no yeah. ads. It, it's a really simple interface, and uh, I mean that's like a site like that is a breath of fresh air to me like yeah in 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 contrast to most of what else we have to put up with on screens these days you know i am i am looking i am now just looking it's it's funny i don't think i've ever i've not used it myself but i think i you know i've seen enough things on neutral spaces and i'm i'm on there right now just like going through the list of of writers and I'm just like, oh yeah, there's a there's a lot of folks. Yeah. No, there's some there's well, a lot of folks know, on here who like, who are doing stuff that I really like. Yeah, Sam Pink's Scott McClanahan, yeah. you know, like, and uh, it's you know it's uh, maintained as a starter by this guy named Giacomo Pope from Britain, and he's a he's a poet and he does some other stuff. Uh, I've never met him in person, obviously, because he lives in England, but uh, he's a really he's sort of like a solid citizen of the literary world. As you are, by the way, yeah. I should say. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's there's pockets of stuff, like where I think it's possible uh, to just use all these uh, the opportunity and technology for I don't know I don't want to say good but not much for just for a way of making a buck or like becoming famous or whatever uh, whatever yeah. whatever delusions people have but I find some of the people like in this guy Giacomo, uh, I think he goes by Jacques. I don't know. Uh, he, you know, he's in his thirties, probably early thirties. I imagine. You know, he's a millennial, and uh, I've made yeah. some contacts with the 
with this generation and I guess people like make fun of them but I, I, I like the way they are I think they've got a good perspective on like not uh, expecting to be like superstars from these passions that they have you know <laughs> yeah uh, yeah you know, in a way that some other previous generations have a, have delusions of grandeur you know yeah <laughs> It's it's super. It's it's one of the things that I think is a little bit, it's it is a little frustrating to me. Is the sort of the uh, what is the word I'm looking for right now? The the sort of the frustrating the the dwindling of sort of the the the, the mid list for for lack of a better yeah for lack of a better word. But also, but also, I think there's the, you know, and I feel like I've seen this happen with with a couple of, with a couple of indie presses, where there is just like this. I, I've seen a few cases where like a press will come out and do a bunch of really good things, and then, you know, one person is doing it, and then it's just very clear that they have just gotten completely that they have like. Burnt. They've just burnt themselves out to to a degree, where like it is not sustainable, well, and it's. Yeah. And like, which is which is a bummer to to see because it's like I want you know, they're. Well, it's I'm so still not sure of yeah. It's so fucking thankless, and it's so much work, and uh, for so little financial reward. I like I'm I'm telling you this as somebody that's self-published three books now in a row. Yeah. Uh, with you know, with my own very self-imposed restrictions, like no social media. And no, no distribution. Like you know, I've I've fucked around with Amazon, but they're 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 such a horrible company. Like I have I have stories for hours about how horrible Amazon is. You know, and, yeah. And Ingram, which is like the monopoly on books in, yeah. in America. Uh, so yeah, if you spend your time like wandering around outside of the castle gates, you know, banging on the wall, like it it gets fucking old, and you get tired, and you know, like. And you give yeah. up because it's you make a thing that you love and you, you put all your effort and passion into and it just, you know, it, it falls on deaf ears. Yeah. After a while, you just want to give up. So it's, yeah. it's, it's not surprising, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> something I was uh, I was the other day or yesterday I was chatting with with uh, with with my friend and fellow writer uh, Leela Chuck. Who is who is in town uh, before going down to, to Philly for AWP, and one of the things that we were talking about too, and I think this is one of the frustrating things that the that 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 the pandemic has has wrought is like I've always kind of felt like you can there there is a there as a writer there are very there are there have been ways to kind of push back against you know you can kind of go a very DIY route and, and do, you know, and do things like that. But it's been, it's, it's gotten a lot harder during, during, as far as, as far as events and doing things like that. I mean, when I, when Duncan Barlow and I went on the road, one of the, th I mean, we, we were both perfectly fine, you know, what year half of the events we did. What year did you go on the road with Duncan? Uh, 20, 2017. And that was for, for both your books? So my, you did both books on that or just? I did both books. Like I was usually, usually, you know, kind of had like figured out like five minutes of each that I could read. Um, mm. And Duncan and Duncan was was on tour for 
for his first the first novel he did on Stalking Horse, and uh, I mean, and it was fun. And like you know, we both had we both had our little like square readers, and you could just yeah. you know, sure. go, and we both had a you know a big a big box of books that that got sort of steadily smaller over you know over the mm. course of the over the course of the the trip, and like you know that that was that was fine. And like you know, I had been hoping to do something similar for you know for political sign which which really was not in the cards and i'm and i'm still not sure you know as of as of talking right now you know i still have no idea of what to expect for uh you know for for when x members comes out i've sort of joked about doing parking lot readings yeah. and i'm not uh but i'm like i, I can do a parking lot reading yeah, like i you know we'll see i'm really hoping that readings come back uh because yeah one of the things that's happened since the lockdown, like before the lockdown, I was always very ambivalent about uh, live readings personally because I didn't think I was a good reader and I, I value performance a lot, you know, and I don't like the idea of an amateur getting up there and being on stage when he shouldn't be, meaning me, I mean. Uh, but <laughs> during the lockdown, I spent so much time recording my own voice, you know, like reading yeah. like excerpts from works in progress and stuff. I, I finally arrived at like a cadence or a tempo that I feel is like okay, and I'd like to try it out in front of people. But aside from, I've had one, you know, I put out a book last year, and I had exactly one event which happened. Uh, let's see, in December, in San Francisco, you know, like that was like the one live event that I could do, you know, and the book came out in April. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, that's, that's the reality these days. Uh, hopefully, yeah, it, it changes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And like, I go back and like, I feel like there have been a few people who have said, you know, who have said, who have talked about like having accessibility issues with spaces where they've been like, honestly, it's great to be able to just like log in and watch and watch writer. And like, and I agree. And I'm like, and I'm like hearing that argument. I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. And like, I hope, you know, as much as I like in-person events, I hope that it is, I hope that like we can get to a point where we get to like the, the best of both, but I'm also not sure how likely that's going to be. But well, it's, we'll yeah, see. I mean, the technology definitely allows for, you know, you, you turn a Zoom window open as in a room and then yeah. you, you can pipe in whatever uh, questions yeah. or just from a dial from a text box or something. Uh, no, the technology is definitely there, but uh, I, uh, I, for one, like definitely in terms of music, I think I tried to watch a little one live Zoom thing, and it was just horrendous. Uh, the disconnect between the word and the image. I mean, it's the the other reason I'm trying to do this podcast thing with no no video. I think the video is distracting. Uh, it makes like I yeah. They all they all just look like hostage videos to me. Like some <laughs> somebody trapped in a fucking room, and like some, some, somebody's gonna come with a like a sword or something and do something bad. I, that's how I, I, f I felt this way since Skype, since before Zoom even happened. Yeah. Like, my parents uh, are big travelers. They go to, like, they like going to Italy a lot. They go a lot of, most summers. And uh, they, they're eternally frustrated with me because I refuse to do Skype with them. <laughs> <laughs> What's, there was something where, like, you know, I, I even think back to, and this is, so this is a weird thing to bring up, but I remember like watching 
I mean, I remember like when there was a point where you people who were like popular talk radio hosts mm -hmm. would have like, you know, all of a sudden there was like a televised version that was just like a camera on them at their oh, yeah the weird you YouTube know, feed didn't didn't Howard Stern do that? Like, I I remember Howard Stern did it, and I remember watching. I think there was, and like the how I I was never like a huge pro or con Howard Stern person, but I feel like with that it's at least a little bit different. It's at least there are other people in the studio with him, so you can kind of do something where it's like, what do you think? And then, yeah. but I remember watching, there was like a clip of, it was a clip of Rush Limbaugh, like mm. going on some tirade. And I, I remember thinking like, yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're a Rush Limbaugh fan, uh, this is probably, you're probably getting really worked up, but like, this just looks like, this is like, it's like, my, this is just this like, unflatteringly shot footage of like a dude pitch like just losing his shit into a microphone and i'm like this this is like the most unappealing thing like yeah, i look, cannot imagine someone being like do i want to just listen to this guy yeah. doing an impassioned rant or do i want to watch like well look there's there's a reason know. there's a term you know that, that expression a uh, face for radio you know like there's like some of the some of the best broadcasters ever are not people you ever really want to look at. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have a particular, yeah. you know, like Liam Neeson, they have a particular set of skills. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't know, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super into just like honoring that, like when you have, you're good at this thing, doesn't mean you're going to be good at everything. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. should accentuate, you know, don't don't set yourself up for failure and like <laughs> and yeah, yeah. The, the video's incredibly creepy almost all the time i don't know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like this this looked it looked kind of like it looked like someone had set up a security camera exactly. uh, and it was yeah. just like it's just like yeah like you're you're watching something that you shouldn't be <laughs> like there's something about like you, you, i'm not supposed to be looking at this am i like <laughs> if there were people in charge that like had had your best interest you know at heart they wouldn't let you watch this. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like what you know, like having a camera in a bathroom, you know, or something. You know, like, oh God, yeah. Like, like, yeah. Let the person take a shit in peace. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody needs to see that unless you have a very yeah. specific kink, you know, that needs to be satisfied <laughs> that way. You know, but uh, you know, oh, man. Yeah, it's I, a, I, it's yeah. a it's a funny fucking world we live in these days. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, for for your own personal background with music, uh, you, you had uh, you had at one point run a label yourself or co-run a label, correct? Uh, when, when yeah, yeah. So, so my friend, my friend you Scott, you never you never played in bands, or did you? I never played in bands. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, um, which was which was funny. Like I think, yeah. In I mean, well, I think part of it is, I. I was never particularly good at anything. Mm. Uh, somewhere, it's funny, like years and years ago, I bought a bass and I was like, maybe I'll learn to play bass. Yeah. And I never learned how to play it. And I eventually, a friend of mine, a friend of mine's a high school teacher and he like also runs a music program at the high school and periodically he'll send out calls of like, does anybody, you know, have instruments they're not yeah. using? Because he's, right. he's, he's himself a musician and has a lot of, and at some point I was just like, you want a bass? And yeah. he was just like, I was like, this is doing this is doing me no good sitting here unused and like 
if like some if some high school kid is just like oh man i had a really shitty day and now i'm gonna play bass and like i feel good i'm like this that this thing will actually be doing good and he and so i you know dropped it off at his place and he's like oh this is actually super helpful because like the bass that we had broke so like you know we we can our like little like class band can can keep doing its yeah. thing so i was like all right cool um <laughs> but yeah and i and i was never particularly you know uh i did actually well i'll, I'll get to this in a second but yeah no i was never in a band although i do have uh unused power violence backing vocals uh ah. that are on youtube um <laughs> which which is a whole which is a whole uh which is a whole other story um <laughs> But uh, I I did a zine for for many years, and I've sort of slowly been posting some of some of the interviews from that online. Uh, and basically, when I was doing the zine, my friend Scott had started a label at about the same time, and we and then I had started to think about releasing records, and we kind of both realized that it would make we were kind of like you know, and somebody was like, why don't would you just want to come on board this label? Because I think his his theory. Which, which I think was accurate, was like, we, we see, we have pretty similar tastes in music, and it was like, why not have two people contributing resources to one label rather than, sure, yeah. you know. Um, so, so I kind of, I kind of came in pretty early on. Uh, basically, the, the label had done one thing, and then, like, I was around for what was the second formal release, although that was also with, uh, after a number of, of releases that the label had done uh, kind of, I don't want to say fell through, but like we're kind of in, in limbo. Mm -hmm. um, and then we did, we did that for a couple of years and then eventually that kind of fell by the wayside. Um, in part, I think because we could never quite make the leap to, we'd always, we really wanted to get some kind of like formal distribution yeah. in place. And we never, that was like the one hurdle we could never clear. And yeah. the process of, that of like you know trying trying to get stuff distributed was was just like yeah just an increasingly well, I think, an yeah, in source of increasing frustration for both of us very similarly to what we were talking about with indie presses uh yeah uh, you you come to a point uh you, you come to a point like the ceiling where you need to either be swallowed by a larger entity or somehow uh find like carve out a niche uh, within this uh, within this uh, environment where basically every book in every like quote unquote indie bookstore comes from one warehouse, which yeah. is called Ingram. Like if you do, yeah. you know, like the text box search on any indie bookstore, almost everyone, what you're searching is the Ingram catalog. Uh, yeah. And I've got like, as a publisher of my own books, uh, I've, gotten into fairly testy exchanges with bookstore owners who will not take a chance on somebody that's not part of that. Yeah. And all where all it would take is five minutes to hire one of their clerks to make a, like a, a page on their site. They won't do that because, yeah. there's, because there's this uh, structure set up and they just want to push a button. Uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's what you run up against with, doing your own thing <laughs> yeah i'm i'm somewhat curious i know astrophil goes through through small press distribution and i'm yeah i'm curious how that's gonna 
gonna you know gonna gonna shake out because yeah, I think with I mean Rare Bird was was PGW and mm-hmm. Transitor uh, CC you know the Transitory was through was through uh, was I think ultimately through through Ingram. So I'm mm-hmm. curious curious about how that all how that all shakes out. Uh, yeah, I had an interesting conversation about this kind of stuff with uh, the writer Sam Pink uh, because what he's he's been. Uh, recently reissuing all his out-of-print books that were out on yeah. small presses himself. Yeah. And what he's doing is just doing, going directly from, you know, like, uh, from print from printers. A little bit like what I do, except he's just doing it more like the, uh, I think, I forget if he's doing Amazon or Ingram Spark. You know, he, he's just yeah. doing, he's doing POD, but he hired a designer to put the books together to make a nice, nice yeah. new covers and layout for them. Uh, and it's interesting to watch kind of like the experiment of what he's doing because he t- like he told me he just got tired of waiting on indie presses because uh, he's he's making most of his living like selling art and books on the internet yeah and uh, this makes it at least on a very very small scale scale if you're committed to it the way he is it, it can be a thing that works uh, yeah but on a very very small scale yeah yeah, I I have not I've not seen them up close, but it looks like whenever I've seen I've seen some of the 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 images for the the the, the new editions, and they they're look, pretty they look really good. They're pretty good. Yeah, I, I bought a couple of them. Uh, yeah. Is he still? He was in Florida, right? Or is he still there? No, or is he back in Chicago? No, no, he's in Michigan. He's in a small. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. We need to go into the circumstances. <laughs> of, of, yeah, like I, I don't want to give the guy that's uh, the impetus for this any more free publicity. <laughs> there's so there, yeah, yeah. there's this writer that got a book deal that he didn't deserve, and uh, uh, and Sam Sam wrote. So speaking of neutral spaces, right? Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, I remember seeing what, the thing on the thing on that, <laughs> and the yeah, the whole anyway, the whole thing that. People can connect the dots. I, I'm not. I'm not saying the guy's name, and I'm not giving him any fucking free publicity. Uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I'd heard of Sam Pink for a long time. Uh, I'd only read bits and pieces here or there, but because of this essay he wrote about his experiences with, yeah, with this uh, like new star of the literary world, um, uh, it inspired me to actually read a couple of Sam Pink books and I discovered that I really liked them and then I dropped him a line and went and rented a car and drove to his, this little town that he lives in and we had a really memorable uh, day together. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, now nice. I, you know, I, I think I can count him as a friend. I think, he, I, I think he'd say I, we were friends. That's awesome. Uh, but he's, a, you know, he's sort of like a, an iconoclastic and uh, unique individual in the literary landscape <laughs> yeah yeah i'm trying to think i think the last time i saw him was when he was doing something for like one of the books that soft skull had done mm. he did an event at the yeah. at the mcnally jackson in, in in williamsburg and i went went to that although the up the the space where the event was happening was so was so full i was kind of lurking downstairs in the crime fiction section because you mm. could hear the audio really well from there oh yeah so it's just like okay i'm gonna going to hang out here this is like the time that i saw sick of it all play a basement show in new brunswick and the basement was super crowded but if you stood above the toilet 
the plumbing yeah. was like bringing the sound out really well, so I was just standing in the bathroom listening to sick of it to yeah I to think, sick of it all play. Yeah, I think you know we we can all get discouraged about the state of things with publishing and with music and all, but there are these cases where if somebody insists on doing things their own way and they have the right instincts and they stick it out and like 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 a Sam Pink, you know, yeah, and it, it works. And yeah, he's you know. He's not he's not trying to be Stephen King or like Jonathan Franzen or anything, you know, and he's never yeah. going to be. But I mean, he's to a certain subset, just as, you know, your fictional band, the alphanumeric murderers, you know, he's a legend. You know, Sam yeah. Pink is like he's a touch point and like an inspiration to many, many younger writers. You know, I know that for, for a fact. Yeah. You know, like and he's still he's still at it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and he's he's never gonna stop because that's that's his whole life. And I mean, you know, the, needless to say, those are the people that I love. You know, like yeah, like the the real fucking certified weirdos that can't help it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 always weird to me when like it's it's not weird, but it's it's interesting to me when like you know you will see some some people who get discouraged and kind of drop out of 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 doing stuff and who has been more in it for for sort of who's in it more for the long haul mm -hmm. is, is always something that i find a little i find a little fascinating oh totally yeah it, and uh there's kind of yeah there's no gaming it out there's no rhyme or reason uh and there's yeah. you know there's things that happen in people's lives that have nothing to do with their passions you know they have yeah. Deaths in the family, sickness, whatever. Like some somebody totally. gets run, run over by a car, and then it's over. You know, you never yeah. know. Uh, things can can go sideways at any time. But um, yeah, it's yeah. I don't know that it's it's a just or fair world. <laughs> a lot of times, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. The, the people that thrive or succeed, a lot of them shouldn't. You know. Yeah. But but screaming like as. It, like the guy I won't, whose name I won't say, like yelling about him, you know, there's a very limited utility to that. <laughs> I understand. I, yeah. I recognize that even as upsetting as it can be uh, when, when somebody gets something they don't deserve, you know, and uh, yeah. lied their way to get it, you know, like, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's, well, you know, I mean, we had a president who, yeah, world champion liar. So I guess you know, if nothing else, it proves that anything is possible in America. Like anybody can do anything. <laughs> so God, maybe yeah. you can, in a bizarre sideways, like reverse wake, be inspired by that. I guess I don't know. <laughs> and we 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 love our liars here. Yeah, <laughs> that we do. Which is which is just yeah. It's, it's Rhea. I mean, it's yeah. So, so I, I, yeah. I was gonna say I, it's like, I could go. I could go way no, down a path with that. But another also like a guy I won't mention for similar reasons as the writer, because I think mentioning the guy's name is just free publicity. Uh, but you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what? Uh, like, as 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 your book went on, like, what was your relationship like with Dean Polis? The sort of like the. The, the artiste genius at the center of of your book. <laughs> it you know Did it, it evolved. It, it evolved, yeah. yeah. It, um, initially, 
I think I, I think I warmed to him a little bit. Um, initially, the the end the ending that he has in the book was a little different. Uh, there there are earlier drafts where 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 it ends somewhat differently, and it's a little bit it's a little bit harsher on him. And right. fun, fundamentally, you, you, though, you didn't you didn't kill him off, did you? No, no, okay. I didn't. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, the. Uh, <laughs> but like there, you know, there, there was, I think just like, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think if you had told the, the me of a few, a few, a few years ago of like, Hey, this is where, this is where this is going to happen. I, you know, there would have been like a really, okay. Okay. Hmm. Um, but I don't know the, the, uh, I think just even even with him being kind of a a somewhat nebulous character and sort of a mm-hmm. I, I ultimately the process of sort of the process of kind of having to come up with a history for him and yeah. and sort of track where he was doing all these different things I ultimately I ultimately warmed to him a little bit and to sort of his his creative struggles and everything else um, yeah. Uh, he's the, and, yeah, he's a pretty great evocation of that thing that so many fans have, like this love-hate thing for the singer or the main guy. Like you love him and hate him because he's really self-absorbed and he doesn't see past his own nose, but he's the reason that you're there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So he's kind of impossible, but he can't also can't look away and yeah you you give uh, it's a really surprise sort of i was surprised this is i didn't know how the book was going to end i had some some theories of how you're going to wind it up but you gave him a very graceful exit uh, like uh, yeah you 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 let not not that you let him off the hook but you let him if not redeem himself but like find a way out uh, yeah that yeah uh, I, i i was very happy with uh Thank you. And and sort of yeah, you joined the two like main sort of like images of of the book, which is this unfinished tower and this like this like kind of conflicted lead singer guy, and th- yeah. they're kind of the same thing, and they meet, you know, like and they yeah. become they become one in the end, you know. Yeah. And and then there's the also kind of like the kind of bittersweet touch that like this completed tower that all these people for decades had all these dreams and were completed at by some corporation probably that we don't know about and yeah the, the dream that has been realized is not the dream of the of any of the characters it's somebody else's yeah. dream you know if it's a dream yeah at all. Yeah. yeah so yeah there's yeah the, you got levels in there levels and levels I, thank and you yeah <laughs> i try i try it was i mean the, the process of writing this book was a really was a really weird one and i don't know that i could ever write something in in this way again the stuff that i've yeah there's a there's a short novel that i wrote after this that was very much like uh the sort of (coughs) it was very much like feels like like the sort of garage rock approach of just like getting something down quickly at at least quickly by my own standards and like Mm -hmm. you know being being a little bit less being a little bit more just like you know, doing that, and then the the novel that I'm working on now is a simil- is similarly like 
staying very focused on the yeah characters within a particular sort of sort of thing yeah right i i so. i really enjoyed the the very the different sections of this book but yeah as i asked earlier like uh, yeah or intimated uh i can't imagine that you you could have planned it all out this way like it was it was written section to section right yeah it had to yeah be, yeah there's a, and then you joined it later and kind of played around with what what order yeah which section went yeah yeah um i mean again i think again like the the i knew the first section was going to be first i knew there was going to be some kind of an ending uh sort of concluding section and everything else was like you know and you know yeah so it was it was it was a lot of a lot of writing and a lot of revising the individual sections and then putting them together and sort of figuring out you know where all of those came and figuring out what else I needed to put in or, or didn't need to put in um, and yeah. kind of going from there. Yeah, it's been interesting. You know, like I've only re the last few years have edged into sort of fiction and figuring out that kind of structural stuff. Uh, and that rings really true to me to figure out the beginning and ending. And then you show up, you have a bunch of stuff in the middle and you can play around with that and organize yeah. it in different ways. That, that, that's very much like the way I've been working on stuff. Yeah. So, so th that rings very true to me uh, because I mean, basically like I never understood how, how novelists work, but because, or these story arcs or any of that kind of, kind of stuff, because there's only one end and one beginning to, you know, that we know it's the same for all of us, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it's the middle part that, that is, that's where the, that's the meat. That's the interesting thing, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. The beginning yeah. and end is yeah, is is sort of nominal, and I don't know. It's because it, yeah. you know because it's it's a book rather than like an end endless. It's not a doom scroll like that. You can look at yeah. it for five thousand years. You have to, <laughs> you, you have to cut it off somewhere. <laughs> and as 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 we probably should cut off this conversation at some point. <laughs> Which, which uh, you know, God willing, and uh, you know, if the gremlins and technology is actually recorded, and I think I've been downloading sections of it as we've gone. So, hello. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you, okay. You disappeared. Are, are you there? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. No, no. But I felt I, like the, I was like, did you just did you just invoke did you just anger yeah, the know, gremlins? Know, they're like, I know. Oh, they're on to us. Got to do something. No, I've been I actually I read the tutorials and I've been like dutifully downloading sections like every 10 or 15 minutes, you know, so oh, nice. even if like some sections are like, God forbid, <laughs> a few will be gone, uh, <laughs> there's going to be plenty left. Uh, so at some point, yeah, some version of this will be posted to the Internet once, once that, I, I emailed Duncan and asked him when when he's putting a presale link up. So we'll we'll coordinate. This, oh, awesome. The, the whole marketing push and get get you up on that the new york Times bestseller list in no time amazing <laughs> Be, thanks again for uh, yeah especially because of a, like this podcast that nobody listens to <laughs> thank, thanks again for doing the for doing the interview of course yeah no it's a it's my pleasure and thanks for sticking with me again and through the the, the tech problem absolutely absolutely sweet I've, I've been there myself so so yeah yeah hope hope to talk again soon sounds good